Minnesota Reptile Fight Club. Here we are, uh, 2023. Um, not much has changed. Still uh, me, Justin Julander, your host. And with me as always is the bruiser himself, Chuck Boland. What's up, buddy? <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> the bruiser. <laughs> when I was a kid, there was like a uh, there was a, a wrestler, and he lived in our neighborhood. But he fought like he did like I don't even know. It wasn't like WWF, but it was smaller. His name was Dick the Bruiser. It's like a, what a horrible name! What a horrible wrestling name! Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh man! Well, it's a new year. New, new year. Happy New Here Year! We go. Uh, yeah. We'll see. See who's got the. Yeah, same to you. We'll see who's got the luck this year in the coin tosses. <laughs> we'll see. I well, I feel like it's waffled so back and forth for me that uh, I do not. I do not believe in yearly luck. I think. I think my luck is way more <laughs> ebb and flow than year to year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're we're having a, a bit of technical difficulties here. I my my internet's been crap the last couple of weeks, so hopefully this works out. I I'm just kind of talking after I hear you say something, so hopefully it's a coherent stream and and things work out. But yeah, um, excited to have a new year in front of us. I I I found out something kind of sad, <laughs> rough now. Um, I have this uh, project and and I hatched out three individuals and they i all i popped them all and they were male and then um you know a couple years later i went back and i checked and and wow one of them was a female and so i put him in with 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 uh or i put her in with the male you know one of the males uh the other two males and and uh and like at first they kind of were wrestling a little bit same same thing that happened to the inlands and then um they were just fine. So I'm like, oh, maybe that's, they were just getting to know each other or something. So today mm-hmm. I'm like, I haven't seen them lock or even really hang out in the same spot. So I pulled the supposed female out and, and probed again and tried to pop and I got a big sperm plug out. So I do have three males. So that kind of oh, sucked. Yeah. Doesn't but, that stink when you, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So I, doesn't that stink? Go ahead. I'm done. Nope. Nope. Not going to do <laughs> so, it. Go ahead. So I put the, so that one was all bigger because I thought it was a female. So I've been feeding him up. Um, but so now I put him in with the, the adult female. So hopefully I've had another male in there with her and I haven't really seen much from him. He, he's a little on the smaller side. So maybe this larger male ha- after having been in a cage with another male for a couple weeks will go for the female. So we'll see. But Ah, what a blow. I'm really, yeah. this, this project is kind of kicking my butt. I was really excited for this year, but, uh, see what happens. I feel, I feel like when you pop them young, man, if you, you do a good job, you double kind of confirm it when they, their muscles really haven't developed and they're really young. You're, you're pretty good. Cause I, I feel like when I try to go back, like after they're a little older, but not mature, uh, and try to and try to probe them. Man, sometimes they're just strong enough to kind of cinch on that probe and keep it from going going it far enough in, and and it just makes it hard. Um, and uh, yeah. you know, sometimes it fools you. 
Um, it it so, sure does. Cause I, yeah. I double and triple checked, you know, I was like, yeah. really, I was really excited cause I thought it was a female. So I checked a couple times, but unfortunately I, you know, I hope this doesn't put a damper on the project or, or I just really hope that female can get another clutch out, you know, get, give me another clutch. Cause yeah. that would be, uh, that would be the best thing I could get this year. So I don't know. Sorry for all the kind of um, veiled. <laughs> I'm I'm not ready to announce what what the project is, but you know, hopefully I'll have some this year. But we'll see. I'm, well, I'm a little, it sucks uh, to have so much consternation over something that that I know is pretty cool. Um, you yeah. know, it's just you know sucks, man. Uh, it's sorry to yeah. hear that. Well, I got I got confirmed locks this week from that uh, inland the 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 male that I thought was a female man it's just yep. plaguing me this year I guess so you'd think after this long I'd I'd know what I'm doing but apparently I don't so um, I mean I, well yeah. I don't think that I don't think you should take it that way I think the lesson is that no matter how much experience you have you know you can still you know I'm, I. You know, I don't take it like it's you that's like, you know, it's it just happens. And I think, you know, some of that bravado of like, well, if you can't properly sex a snake 100 percent of the time, you're an idiot kind of stuff is like, it's not true. It's not fair. Like it, it, even, you know, some of the best uh, miss sex a snake like it happens. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Um, it was just a bummer for that project. I was really hoping that that oh, was yeah. going to be the case, but what do you do? For well, sure. Yeah. For sure. I don't know. I, I mean, I've, I've seen, I, I threw, a one of my craziest, uh, Eastern stems, uh, females that I hatched out a couple of years ago. That's got a really craziest looking pattern. or craziest acting. Looking, yeah, really nice, okay. uh, thin bands, almost like, almost like a, a zebra Stimpsons, you know, to some extent. Nice. I mean, still, still, really, uh, really reduced. I don't, I don't know that it's a simple genetic or trait, busy. but yeah, reduced pattern compared to siblings. Um, yeah, so really beautiful. Would you call like, it nice reduced or busy? Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, all those, you know what those I mean? terms kind of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. Right. Yeah. You're like, probably, uh, probably more along the lines of, of reduced busy. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. Like you're kind of like, cause like, I think when I think of zebras, I think it's like, I, I mean, it's a, it's a busy pattern. It's much more busy. Um, but you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, whatever, whatever, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, but she, she was, she had some pretty good size and I thought I'll throw her in with the mail and, and they were locked up a couple days ago. So that was nice. And then, um, those are the only two confirmed locks that I've seen, but you know, yeah, for, yeah. for, uh, the amount of time I've been out there, like, I don't know. Yeah. I've seen a few locks and through, through the blackheads back in together. I, I think I'm pretty sure I got an ovulation out of the female blackhead. So nice. Yeah, nice. Eggs on the way. I All suppose. right. So round two, round two for blackheads, cr fingers crossed. Um, you got, did you, <laughs> well, you, uh, round five or, or four. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. But round fair two enough. for hopefully if we're, if we're, if we're starting from the beginning round five, but, so did you made changes uh this year from last year or or your your 
or, or you made you, did you make uh did you make cage changes or breeding changes or are you are you trying to make your changes kind of in the in the incubation stage well i kind of thought that might have been the problem is that i just wasn't introducing the male early enough and that she was mm-hmm. you know cycling and everything but he wasn't getting in there and getting you know getting a lot of good confirmed locks so i thought maybe that was part of the problem why the eggs were so wimpy um i think still I, my incubation some missing something you know so i'm mm-hmm. i need to have some more conversations with my australian friends who seem to have no problem you know hatching out blackheads i don't know what my deal is but um you know i i think and 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 talking to uh, Steve Crawford, like man, that guy's really knowledgeable. He's bred just a ton of species. I think he has all of the Australian pythons, at least. Yeah, and, um, he's over there in, in Australia, and um, but he's uh, they, he uses like thirty uh, percent water to um, you know substrate by by weight, and I mean we use like one to one over here. One to one, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so I was, you know, I was backing it off a little bit with the blackheads, but not 30%, you know, it was like more like yeah. 80% or, you know. And where, and where in Australia is he? Is it pretty dry where he is or is it pretty humid where he is? Like, yeah. And in his words, he lives in the driest state in the driest country in the world. So, you know, it okay. doesn't get much drier yeah. than that. Yeah. And so, yeah, you think, well, oh, if he's in tropical Queensland, but no, he's in like South Australia where it's very, very dry. So, yeah, I think um, you know, I might I might try that and see, you know, if reducing that moisture level um and you know, I, I need to ask him a few more follow-up questions. I, yeah. I have a hard I have this terrible thing where I ask a question and then I don't pay attention to the answer very well and so then I have to ask it again and again until it sinks into my thick skull, but you know, that's the way it goes. I suppose. Whatever it takes, man. Repetition is the uh is the builder of 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 uh you know, of habit. So for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, I don't know. I I mean, if obviously if he's in a really dry place and he, he kind of keeps his, his uh, media pretty dry, I'd be interested if he doesn't ventilate it, he still has a huge gradient. You know, if, 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 if his outside atmosphere is really dry, he, you know, his, his hydraulic gradient, uh, from his moist media to the air is, you know, it, it, it's not, it, it's not coming in, it's going out, you know what I mean? So, um, he's, he's even probably losing moisture unless he runs a completely sealed egg box. Um, which, yeah. you know, to me, I don't know, you know, maybe not, but to me, it's like you want air moving in there because, you know, even in a little bit of moisture and a stagnant, uh, environment tends to mold up, you know, that yeah. it can get kind of moldy pretty quick. So I don't know, you vent, you vent your, you, or, or you exchange air in your egg boxes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a hole, I drilled holes and I thought maybe that made some of the difference why I got some to hatch, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I got a little more thinking to do on that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of factors. And, you know, you look at like who's doing good with, with blackheads and like, where are they? What are their, you know, what are they doing? What, what environmental conditions do they have? What am I doing? What environmental conditions I have, you know? And then I think the other part of it is, you know, a lot of gecko people and a lot of, 
monitor people really say, well, the condition of, you know, the female has a lot to do with the, the strength of the eggs and things like that. And I, you know, I, I I think we, as snake people, as snake breeders, we look at that like, yeah, she needs to be in good condition to breed year to year. But I don't think we think about good female condition as far as, um, you know, vitality of the eggs, um, even before, you know, deposition. So I, you know, definitely like could, you know, it, it could even be, it could even be factors that, you know, are, you know, even before, uh, eggs ever hit the ground, you know? Yeah, that's true. Lots to think yeah, about. It's, uh, <laughs> lots to think about. It's never a, a done and dusted, you know, with, with reptiles. No. There's no way, man. else to learn and always an improvement I, I, you can make. And yeah. unless you could teach snakes to talk English, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're guessing, yeah. bro. You're guessing yeah. trial and error. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, I don't know how, what are, what's going on on your end with the reptiles. You, you got the diamond enclosures built or are you still working? On yeah. Those? Oh yeah. Diamonds are done. They're, mm-hmm. they're outside. I mean, just, so I have not put in any secondary heating for them. They have been out. They have been, I mean, it's been raining and probably, you know, upper forties oh, yeah. to mid fifties and they're just out all the time. They're not, the, the, my coastals are all out like they're you know um they, they're not bothered by you know 40 to 50 degree weather uh at all and you know i was a little concerned with the diamonds at first because of the wet weather and you know um you know some of the suggestions from from uh one of the aussies that that you know they do fine just don't let them get wet so i would you know i've got a nice big roof on on top of their enclosure so you know it's got a good overhang so they're not getting direct moisture onto them or anything and you know knock on wood they've been doing great man so we'll we'll see i i think um all you know all goes well things look pretty good with the coastals again so they they may go again this year um which is, I got to get my budding gear and see if anybody wants last year's clutch. They're starting to color up and, and look pretty nice. So, you know, I just, I just been holding on to them. So I just, I don't know. I just like, I just like the idea of giving, you know, showing people like, I don't want to hold on to it too long. Cause it's like, Hey man, part of it is raising your own snake. Right. But the other part of it is like, Hey, I, I, you know, like I want to kind of know, I want to kind of know, where this is going. Uh, and I think, you know, some, you know, guys have been breeding carpets for a while. Like, Oh, that's going to be a nice snake. But you know, people who don't, maybe, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're not, not quite as, you know, maybe they haven't seen enough of them color up to know like, Oh, that's going to be a nice snake. So having something that's a little more colored up is, is, is kind of nice. So I don't know. Anyway, I always do this crap and now it's winter and I can't really ship. And, uh, I've got a bunch of <laughs> yeah. snakes and now I'm like, oh, I should have, what was I thinking? But, um, but yeah, once, once it warms up, I'll, I'll get those, um, you know, get those up and, and see if, uh, we can get some snakes into people's hands. Um, yeah. So, yeah. and, uh, That's the, we'll see the how the tricky. Tracy A are doing their, um, yeah. things, things are good. Um, I, I kind of took, um, Shane's cue and have been kind of 
spraying and spiking their humidity levels and letting them drop off and spiking their humidity levels. And it's kind of interesting. I've seen more activity. So you'll kind of spike the humidity level and then the next day they're all hanging out together. So, you know, I don't, I, I, you know, um, again, like the, the, the other times that they bred most of the time they were, you know, the male and the female would, would not be visible in the cage. They'd be in the nest box or something. So I don't, I didn't really see what was going on. Now it just seems, it's, it seems like, their cohabitation is more correlated to, you know, high humidity stuff. So means anything, don't know, but just kind of this year's observation and um, yeah, we'll, we'll see fingers crossed with those and yeah, yeah, lots of Tracy A stuff going on growing, <laughs> growing up, you know, um, the 19 clutch and, and uh, they're, they're getting, pretty decent size. I need to buy some more food to keep throwing at them, but um, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe next, I don't know. I don't know if, if uh, maybe next year's um, try the the, the, they'll go. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll try to run them. Um, so yeah, that's about it here, man. You know, um, cool. Same, well, I was, same. I was, too many geckos. Uh, talking about the, you know, the diamonds and rain. I, uh, I hope you guys are okay out there. You're not getting washed away, but you guys have been getting a lot of rain, but I was listening yeah. to, to Scott and Ty Iper on project herpeticulture. And, uh, they were talking or, or Ty was saying that she doesn't go hang up laundry. If she sees the diamond pythons out, because it means it's going to rain. Like they come out when That's- it's, Gonna rain. That's so, really you know, interesting. Just something they said that I I took note of, you know, and thought about when you're talking. When about. it's warm or when it's cold? I yeah, that's probably uh, probably more when it's warm. I'd imagine when you know when they're. But cold, it's they're weird because they're out. I mean, you would. Th- I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I don't think the snakes are like. Oh, it looks like rain. I better. You know, it's cold. <laughs> it looks like rain. I better go in. Like I, you know, I don't know if they. But but it is very interesting because when it's cooler out and their shower activity. I mean, even last year with the coastals outside, I noticed that they're, you know, they're active and they're out when, when, you know, climactic events or, you know, bad weather events are happening. So it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, I agree with that. That's, that's a, that's a, that's an apt observation, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of the couple times that I've seen carpets in the wild, it has been, during a light rain, you know. I was, yeah. Well, uh, and, first, and, and, and uh, I mean, is jungle on my first uh, first jungle on my first trip was uh, like I thought, oh, we're not going to see anything. It's just too cold and too wet, and you know. And then, sure enough, you turn the corner and there's a jungle in the middle of the road. So, you know, I I learned uh, you know uh, something interesting there, and and uh, that's and and it seems like. All the others have also been kind of in a rainish. Eric, Eric's had Eric, hasn't Eric had some instances where you know it was it was rainy weather and they thought oh we're not going to find crap and they found a bunch of stuff out that they were surprised about. Was that you or was that Eric? I feel like Eric told that sort a story similar like that. Yeah, I mean I, it makes sense. I mean out out here, of course, like you know in the West rains bring out the animals and when we were yeah, in that's uh, fair arizona um, yeah in arizona the, the, there was that little rain that came through and all of a sudden everything was out and about you know that was kind of nice so you know it uh it can it can definitely help but 
I guess it depends on where where you are, but it seems like some you know reptile activity does correspond with rains. At least I agree. I agree. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it'll be. I I don't know. This time of year, I I'm, I'm itching to herp. You know, with I can tell. Cold and snow. I can almost uh, I can almost see it on you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've. I am excited for uh, when it warms up a bit and getting out there. Yeah. Uh, so it should be fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, anything else on your mind before we uh, put up our dukes? Get into Listen the here, people. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> good. It's going to go on a Chuck right. tirade. I did. I, I did hear. <laughs> I, I did hear the NPR guys on, on carpets and coffee. They were talking about uh, like if they, if they should do a, a trivia and I'm like, come on guys, that's reptile fight club territory now. Yeah. <laughs> but we can't we, do that because we just, bit, yeah, we bit the shit out of their holiday show. So we can't like, you know, we, if, if, we can't if they want to do a trivia, yeah, we can't, we can't, uh, we we can't say too much, man. We really can't. We kind of uh, we kind of backed ourselves into the corner there. That's fair. Share and share yeah. alike. We're not. Uh, I, I I think I think they could do. Uh, you Lucas know, did got, admit uh, to cheating, so I was a little like, did he? <laughs> well, at least there wasn't a Mac yeah. and Wookie shirt on the line. You know what I mean? He he pretty much he won. What did he win? <laughs> yeah. What did he win? He won a something, poster. didn't he? Oh, the poster, poster, the poster. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Did he get his poster? Yeah. His 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 illy his illy yeah, gotten poster. Got his ill gotten goods. <laughs> you should have just you should have just written cheater in huge letters right on the front of the poster and sent it. <laughs> That'd have been. Horrible. I'd already sent it, so yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, so he waited. He's like, "Is it in the mail, doc?" All right, I totally cheated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he didn't oh. tell me. He didn't admit it to us. He he just oh, said he on didn't. carpets and coffee. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, watch out, Doctor Loafman. You gotta keep an eye on your keep an eye on your student there. He's <laughs> he's cheating. He's cheating. Are you, are you talking to Sack? Is that who you're talking yeah. to? Yeah, Sack, Sack <laughs> Loafman. You can't you can say you can't even say uh, it because it sounds like Zach, but it's not. It's Sack. Yeah. I I think I said in in one of our we have a a group chat with group uh, chat Zach and and Lucas and I said something like I I referred to him as Zach but he didn't say anything about it so I don't know if he didn't hear it, and uh, I'm sure Lucas didn't he's, want to bring attention to it but <laughs> oh yeah sure and if he has heard about it he's like oh I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole yeah <laughs> Doctor Sack yeah that's all he needs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to see that one take root. No, that's like yeah. That's that's how you get a nickname for sure. Okay. Yeah. On to bigger things. Let's do this thing. All right. What is this thing um, today? Yeah, we're we're gonna talk about. So I I I don't know. This one kind of came to me while I was listening. I think again it was the Ty and and uh, Scott Iper episode on Project Herpeticulture, but they were talking about. 
how, you know, they haven't been able to go out and herp as much because of their collection. I've heard a lot of people talk about that, like, oh, I'd love to go out and herp, but my collection's too big and I can't, can't go out, you know, and those kind of things. So I thought, you know, is it, is it really a good thing to have, how, you know, how big of a collection do you need to have? Is it a good thing to have a big collection? So I thought let's talk about collection size and kind of debate the pros and cons of, of both sides of the collection size issue. And I think we've kind of, you know, we're kind of maybe coming at it from, uh, I think you've got a pretty manageable size, you know, you don't have a huge Mm -hmm. collection and, and I don't think it's taken up, you know, a majority of your time or anything. And I think I've maybe got a little bit too large of a collection for me, you know, I, I probably could Mm -hmm. stand to reduce it a bit and I have uh, a little bit, but so yeah, I thought that would be a reasonable topic to, to cover today. So Let's go ahead and uh, flip a coin. What do you say? Mm. Let's see who's got the luck streak this year. Start us out with so. Tails. You got it. <laughs> I got it. Okay. Yeah. You got it. Yeah, I mean, starting out the year um, with a win. <laughs> I will take. Yourself. No, I will take. I will take. Um, so so what do we uh, so I'll take the larger collection side like the pro of a larger collection side. Okay, having a large collection is a good thing and I'm going to yep. argue having a large collection can be kind of a negative thing. A sometimes. bad thing. Yep. 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 Okay. Kind of flipping right. the script. I imagine <laughs> Oh yeah. Don't even ask. <laughs> just yeah, I won't. I'll just start. <laughs> yeah, you're good, man. Go for it. Okay, so wait, I'm I'm having a smaller collection is a good thing. You love so, the small co- collection, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so when I when I started into this whole thing, right back in the the mid nineties, um, <laughs> the big nineteen hundreds, I, I bought. Uh, <laughs> The mid 1900s, the mid 90s, 1990s. Um, yeah, I'm not that old. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm uh, kidding. Says the guy jokes, going in for jokes, colonoscopy folks. next week. But yeah, yeah, yeah. ah, that's good though. That's good. Um, I need to get in for so, mine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how TMI, good it's going to be. TMI, TMI guys, TMI. Anyway, off the yep. old man topic. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. Um, so when I started. Uh, Back in the old days, um, I, I, I got a, a bearded dragon that was at this local reptile shop and it was digging in the cage. And so I took it home and it laid eggs and I hatched the eggs out and I was like thrilled. I'm like, holy crap, you can breed these things, you know, and like, and, and sell the babies and, you know, you can kind of, it, it can be a self-sustaining thing. So I got really excited and kind of overzealous and started buying up other bearded dragons that I could find. And, um, soon I had, you know, eight or 10 bearded dragons taking up quite a bit of room. And I never quite had the success that I had with that single female, you know, and, and I actually, I, she was getting bred when I, I took her in, um, to the reptile shop cause I was going out of town for a couple of weeks. So they said, Oh yeah, you can just bring her back and throw her in the cage. And so, you know, she'd get knocked up every time I brought her into the reptile shop to kind of have them board her for me. And, uh, you know, I, I got quite a few offspring out of that female. Now, I had other clutches from other females, but, like, there were other things that kind of came into that, too, because I, I picked up 
um, some animals that had some mites, you know, and I got mm-hmm. my first introduction to mm-hmm. mites pretty quick out the gate, you know, as, as it tends to go. And then, um, one of them had some internal parasites or something, you know, there was, she just was not thriving and not gaining weight and things like that. And, and, uh, so, um, kind of slowly over time, I, I just sold them off cause they just weren't doing much. Right. And then I, around the same time, Heidi said I could get some snakes. And so that was kind of more conducive to my schedule and my lifestyle yeah. at the time and still, still is t- to a large extent. So, um, I would say, uh, you know, sometimes when you have a smaller collection of only a f- couple of different projects, um, you can focus a lot more attention on those few animals. And so overall, you know, percentage wise, you're probably going to do better. You're going to have, you know, better percentage, uh, success, um, with a smaller collection than you would with a larger collection, more, more animals, more problems, I guess you could say. And so I, I kind of lead out with that. Like if you're, if you get overzealous and you get kind of too big for your britches or get too many animals too quickly, a lot of times it's really hard to be successful with all of them. Um, and, and you kind of have to shift focus or something. So I'd, I'd lead out with that. Okay. That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think what you you know you experience there is pretty pretty common for people. They they get some eggs and however that happens, and then they're like, "Oh my gosh, oh, I can do this!" and and they kind of you know go all in for it, right? Uh, and and you know my my thing would be is that was that was that necessarily a function of a larger collection? You know, obviously, like if you have a larger collection, you're open to have more issues because you have more animals. It's just kind of like the law of of numbers, you know. Um, so yeah. so anytime you have a lot of animals or, or higher numbers, you know, your instances of issues will go up. And I think, you know, some of the issues that you had were were related to you being a new keeper, you getting into a new thing and just like, you know, like running into these problems that everybody runs into. But, you know, by and large, like, I think if you listen to like Ron St. Pierre, he'll, he'll say like, yeah, if, if you want to be successful with a group, you know, the best way to do that isn't to go 1.1 or 2.2. It's to go like 10.10 or, you know, um, you, to, to get a big group so that you can work. Because like you said, not every animal is going to be a great breeder, you know, and, and if you want to have a, a viable project, uh, you really need to work on, you know, it's a, it's a numbers game, right? And, and you know, that, that kind of, that kind of pivots to the idea of the goals. Like, what are your goals as a, you know, as a keeper? And, and if you're interested in, you know, being a semi-professional, professional breeder, then your goal should be to have a big collection. And, and having a big collection in a lot of ways drives your lifestyle. So, um, you know, you have to kind of make those decisions. And I, I think, uh, you know, to the point of like, can you do a lot of herping when you have a huge reptile collection? Well, no, not if you don't have employees or not if you don't have somebody who can cover for you when you're out. But at the same time, like, you know, I mean, you have a fairly decent sized collection, not huge, but you also have people who can kind of back you up 
enough to everything is fine. It's not that big of a deal. Um, you're a busy guy anyway. So you're, you're kind of, even though you have a big collection, you know, uh, it's, it's not like, it's not like your Mike Stefani where you're like got a whole, you know, collection of monitor lizards that need daily, absolutely daily care and, and things like that. You've kind of set up your collection around your lifestyle a little bit and, and you've, you've made ways to make it manageable. So I think even with a big collection, um, and especially if you're doing it in a professional setting, um, and, 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 and I, but I do agree, like, uh, you know, you can get to a numbers point where it's like you just have way too many animals to walk away from. Um, and that at that point, it's a business and you're committed to it and it is what it is. And you got yourself into that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's how I, and I, I think, you know, I, I like how you said, you know, you need to think about what your goal is or what, you know, what you're. Um, gonna gonna go for, and I think a lot of people kind of have hoop dreams. You know, they want to be, they want to do it full time. They want to be able to quit their job and and breed reptiles uh, professionally. You know, and and that kind of thing. And I and I I think you're right. If you want to walk down that road, you do have to have a, f- a fairly substantial collection. You also have to have a collection that's kind of caters to what people want to buy. You know, and and yeah. you see a lot of. Uh, professional breeders that just breed ball pythons or that have ball pythons mainly and a few other projects or boas or something on the side as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's possible to, to do, uh, to do that. And, you know, but I, I listened to a talk, uh, by Alan or Pashi at, uh, one of the conferences and that, you know, we were, we spoke at and, and he was talking about like in the U S um, I think that somehow he worked out like the economy would support, you know, people breeding animal reptiles for sale was, you know, professionally and making good money doing it and, and having the stay power to, to do that and to be able to, you know, retire and things and have enough money for that. Um, I think he figured out there was like room for maybe 50 50 of those in the United States, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that works out, you know, to maybe what you'd see. Like if you went and count all the, all the guys who are doing it full time, you know, not, not relying on their wife's paycheck or, or their wife's insurance or yep. things like that, you know, doing it full time, you could probably, it's probably around 50 that are, you know, been yep. around for a I, while I, and I, that can I'd, do it. I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, I mean, his point was he was talking to an Australian crowd and in Australia, they have a 10th of our population. So he's like, you right. know, in your country, you probably have the population to support five professional, you know, reptile breeders or whatnot. So, you know, and I think, um, if, if we kind of understand that and like, I, I look at it and I think I don't ever want to be a pro breeder. Like I think initially I probably had some of those hoop dreams thinking, Oh, that'd be nice to retire and do this. But I, I'm to the point where now it's like, no, nah, that doesn't have any appeal to me. I don't want to have to mm-hmm. sell animals to feed my family. You know, I, I, I have a good job yeah. and, and, uh, you know, I can keep 
reptiles is my hobby and, and that's been a really nice arrangement. So I think, you know, look at it realistically, like, because a lot of the pro breeders too, they do have a large collection and they are mostly busy online selling animals or, you know, mm-hmm. going to shows or things like that, which, you know, has its benefits and can be a, a great life. And, but it's also, like you said, it ties you down and it keeps you there, especially, you know, if you start getting employees, then they're the ones working with the animals and you're the one handling the, you know, online or managing the overall kind of big, big picture things. And so you lose that connection with the animals to, to some extent. And and then you also yeah. have to trust others. And, and, you know, of course there's all sorts of horror stories of employees, you know, stealing animals or messing up, you know, breedings or whatever, you know? So uh, yeah. it, it has its challenges of course, but I think it, it definitely can be done. But, you know, if you want to be one of those 50 people, you're going to have to work your tail off and you're going to have to, you know, do all sorts of things to, to compete with people who are already established, who are already doing it, you know? Um, yeah. So, and I mean, I, I do, I do I, think there's some, I think there's some, you know, if, if what you, if what you, if what we're talking about is strictly breeding reptiles to make a living, you know, I think Bill Bradley comes to mind. I think, uh, Ari comes to mind where, you know, they've obviously have a collection that they're building a zoo with, or they have a collection that they do educational stuff with. So it, it doesn't necessarily. And so like, you know, I know Bill's does not care about pairs of animals, but, but he cares about having a nice diverse collection that he can kind of, you know, illustrate, you know, things to kids that, you know, to try and make his point about, you know, colubrids or, or, you know, you know, uh, crocodilian or whatever, whatever he's, you know, he's, he's got a very wide range of stuff and I'm sure that keeps him very busy. And I know, you know, um, both of them do not do it alone. Uh, you know, it kind of takes a village, uh, in both cases. Uh, and so, you know, I think, you know, just to push back a little bit on the idea that it it strictly has to be a you know a reptile breed. I think that's the mantra, and I think you know I think that's like what um, the idea that gets pushed. And and you know, if you work a job where you hate your fucking job and you go to it every day, and you're like, this fucking sucks. I like reptiles. I want to stay at home. I want to just sell reptiles, and that's cool. That's yeah. I totally get that because there are days I don't want to go to work and I would just rather be at my house working with my animals, doing my own thing. Like it would be much better for me. But at the same time, the reality is selling animals is hard, especially when people aren't buying them. The economy sucks. Things are, you know, whatever things that that are out of your control are happening. And so these guys that are part of, you know, Rapashi's 50, they're working very hard. They're making good choices. They're making bad choices. They're losing money on their bad choices. They're making adjustments. They're doing, they're doing a lot of things. And, and, um, you know, I think when you talk about success at any level, there's a level of obsession that goes into it. And, and if you're not willing to be fully committed and fully obsessed with it and, and take it, it, you know, do what is ever, whatever is necessary. Like, so if, if, you know, if if you're one of these breeders, who's like, I'm going to get a big collection and I'm going to sell my animals. Well, guess what? If somebody's been doing it before you and they've out hustled you and they've out, you know, they've out, um, 
diversified their collection, you're going to have a hard time keeping up with them and you're going to fold under and they're going to continue chugging. So, you know, all those things come into play and that's kind of the downside with a big collection is again, it goes back to why are you doing it? What is your goals, you know, and how do you want your lifestyle to be? Um, because if, if you're dedicating to it, you know, you're committing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, totally see that and i agree i mean being being in this for you know where we've both been in this for the last 25 years you see a lot of big guys come and go you know they came in mm-hmm. they they made their money and then they usually get out or or something happens they get some kind of you know viral infection or bacterial thing yeah. that kind of knocks things out and i mean it's 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 a tough way to make a living and i think if you know more people that have those hoop dreams and think i want to do this if they do it kind of on the side for a few years and you know you have to do that anyway i don't know of anybody that can just instantly become a breeder i've seen a couple people try that i i can't remember who that was back in the day but they just came in they bought it bought a ton of ball pythons it was like some used car salesman guy and he had a a partner that was a reptile guy and they were like they were going to take the ball python more sounds it sounds like a recipe for the w (laughs) right there man yeah the sky's the limit with that exactly with that setup oh my god (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but they sunk a lot of money into it and then, you know, it seemed like they were, you know, off to the races and stuff, but yeah, of course it didn't work out and they didn't see eye to eye and so, everything fell apart. So yeah. they were they were gone. I'm sure they lost their hat, lost a lot of money. So, you know, if you want to do it, I think, you know, get get to the point first where your collection is sustaining itself, you know, and you're working a job, you're, you, you know, you don't have to worry about selling the animals, but see how easy it is to sell animals. You know, you kind of have to build up a reputation anyway. Um, and, and, you know, work with a few things that you like and that maybe other people like as well and kind of get, get used to breeding things first. But I think, you know, if, if more people just didn't have necessarily that idea that I'm going to get rich off of this, but they had the idea, I want to work with reptiles. I want to, you know, spend some time with reptiles. And they, they kind of have that dose of reality that, you know, the pyramid scheme doesn't usually work except for the top, you know, 50 people. (laughs) Like there's Mm -hmm. a bunch of other people supporting that pyramid, you know, and, and they're, you're probably not going to make it as a full-time breeder um, because it's a, it's a hard road to hoe. And like you said, there's already people out there doing it, making it work and, and kind of ahead of you kind of have to wait for a space or something or, or some kind of niche or something that you do well to kind of break into that, I think. But, and, and having I think that smaller I think collection, oh, go ahead. you know, Oh, just having I, that smaller collection um, gives you a better sense of, of how um, you can make it work and how, uh, you know, it actually works and, and get kind of your feet wet that way. Sorry, this lag is killing me. I'm sounding like an interrupting asshole. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and, but, you know, man, like I think of like I think of somebody like Sean Carroll who, you know, he's an Aussie. But if you are friends with him on Facebook, dude, every single animal he has is dead knockout amazing. And the stuff he must produce is incredible. So like if you have gone through and, and you, you know, do your net, make your nipper, you know, breed 
just top-notch stuff. And and you are that guy who is known for that. And you've built it and you have a big collection. It's easier for you to sell animals because when people think of, oh, I want killer stuff, I go to Sean because he he has all he has is killer stuff. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy you go to. And, and you know, as we've shown time and again, what people love more than anything is a, you know, killer looking stuff, right? Um, the name, the name and, and, and how it, you know, the, the, how it looks will always trump the name, you know, whatever it is, the name, you know, the name's important, but man, people throw the name out the window, whatever the name is out the window when it's nice enough looking, right? So I, I just think, I think that, um, you know, point taken, very true. Uh, I just, I think that you have to, if you build a big collection, uh, you have to manage that collection. Uh, but if you do it right and you do it well, uh, you can definitely have things where th- things are much easier to sell because you've built a name uh, for high quality, you know, and are kind of the, oh, you want that? Go to him. You know, I think when it comes to a lot of Frank Payne's a guy who comes to mind people, he's just becomes a go-to guy because he's doing, you know, whatever he gets into, he chooses his projects. He refines them, does them very, very well. And, and he's very consistent uh, and he's very proactive. uh, And, and it's like, Oh yeah, just go to Frank, go to Frank, go to Frank, go to Frank. Right. And, and he, he, he sells all his animals. Like he, you know, that, that, that's the, that's the that's I think that's the way you do a big collection. And, and you know, I know Frank doesn't do it alone. He's a full time, you know, high school teacher. So, he, you know, like I said, a lot of times you got to have some help um, and it would be a you tough know, slog to go at a big collection alone. Yeah, I'd I'd look at Frank kind of um, as it, it doesn't seem to me that he's a huge you know breeder like he has. He, he's kind of limited himself to certain projects, you know, the, the electric blue day geckos or the, the chameleons, you know, he has like one or two of, yep. of species, you know, so he's not like one of these huge breeders. Um, so I would definitely put him in the small breeders uh, selection. And, and I think that's kind of the point is he's kind of found that nipper. He's found the things that, um, you know, that needed, maybe some help and attention that he knew they would be popular if they were just captive bred and healthy. And he has, you know, a decent number of, of a few projects, but I mean, yeah, you could I think it's probably a, count. Well, I don't think projects. he has a lot of species, but he has numbers of those species because he produces hundred, sure. at least a hundred or more electric blue dega geckos a year. And he always has them for sale. So, I mean, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Yeah. He's not, He's not all over the place where he has, you know, um, I think of somebody like um, 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 Great Bay Serpentarium, um, um, Great Basin, uh, uh, Joey. Joey. I think Joey has a lot of uh, he's he's got a very wide, deep collection, right? That lot of stuff. He's super busy, whereas Frank probably maybe more focused, but has a lot more animals. You still got to clean all those cages. You still got to do all that stuff, right? It's 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 and, you know, both of them don't do it alone. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Joey, I've been to Joey's place a couple of times. He's got 
few, you know, a few employees, his family's there yeah. pretty much full time, you know, unless yeah. the kids are in school, but yeah, his wife's helping. He's working out there all the time. He's got a couple full time employees and, you know, he's got a couple warehouses too. You know, he's got a big operation yeah. going and he's kind of moving towards that, uh, you know, the more of the zoo display type thing rather than, um, you know, necessarily just breeding and selling animals. I, I really think it's, you know, it, it definitely is kind of a hard <laughs> avenue, hard, hard road to hoe, especially when you're competing with imports and things like that, you know, where they can just undercut you all day. And, 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 and it seems like the majority of people just haven't been educated on, you know, the difference between captive bred and, and wild cotton. And, and frankly, probably most of them don't care because they just want a, no. a quick pet that's not going to be around a long time. So their kid stops bugging them, you know, that kind of thing. So they'll go into PetSmart and buy a, you know, whatever snake or, or lizard their Or they'll spend the money in. and something will happen and they'll say, yeah, I, I don't know what it was, but yeah, that, I mean, that was cool, but I'm not doing that again. You know, like they they, they move on from yeah, it because of yeah. the bad experience. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm I'm hoping that will change down the road. And and I do think you know, it seems like a lot of the you know some of those big breeders. I I, I Barchet comes to mind, right? He's he's a very public example of that where he had a huge collection, and he kind of was <laughs> some some of the impetus for a lot of uh, a lot of us thinking, ooh, how cool would that be to just have row after row of of these rack systems and all these animals, you know, and that kind of thing. And and you know, he's moving away from that, and he he got rid of a lot of those rack systems you know now he's doing mostly display and zoo and 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 reselling other people's animals and things like that you know and and that's fine i mean it's it's kind of the progression but he's definitely making a lot more money doing youtube than he was uh, breeding and selling animals <laughs> and i mean you know there's apparently more than one way to be the in big air quotes the man in in reptiles and you know maybe he was somebody who you know, thought that breeding was the way to be the man and he was offered another show or shown uh, or figured out another avenue. And now he's the, you know, he's the influencer man, you know, like that's, that's, that's where he wants to be. And, and, um, you know, more power to him if that's, you know, he, he definitely, definitely, you know, switched that train and, and got on a different track and, and seems to be doing pretty well with it. So, you know, I mean, he does, he does still seem to push that, uh, the pyramid scheme thing. He's, you know, the, with, with those catchy titles, like the next you know, million dollar project and crap like that, you know, it's just like, come on, dude. You, you well, know, like, it's, it, because it's, it's, it's all, I mean, you know, the pyramid scheme is kind of that like self-fulfilling prophecy. Even if you, you know, even if you realize that it's, bullshit you still want other people to participate in it because in some way shape or form you're still plugged into it you need those new morphs to keep that excitement to keep yourself relevant to make new shows for yourself or to you know like it it, it feeds the machine and and you're part of the machine and you need the machine fed so you know you you kind of push the bullshit even though you know it's bullshit so i mean and you know some of that's just economics at some point right we so much of, of our economy is just pushing the bullshit because you got to feed the machine. And I, I guess if I think about it, um, 
that's probably the main reason I didn't want to go down that path and why I, you know, think I need to thin out my collection a little bit is because I, 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 I never really, I'm not a good salesman because I, you know, I don't want to push something, somebody into something that they don't want to do, you know? And I think a lot of time I've seen a lot of the big breeders, they kind of do some sketchy things here and there. Um, because they need to sell animals to feed their family, yeah. you know. So it's like there, well, there, it, there it, are it, a few examples of 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 upfront and and you know breeders that are doing it the right way and aren't trying to you know swindle people and things like that. But that's that's kind of few and far between. I, you know, I think of Ron. Uh, Ron does. He's he seems like he's just doing it the right way and and yep. has a good sense you know about him. But but he'll he'll also be the first to admit that you know like. He's saying that, you know, when he touches a project, it kind of dooms it, you know, a little bit in his hands. But then as soon as he sells it off, it does fantastic. So he's, he's gone through but, a but few that, of those but that's, projects but, where but that's, other people. But that's more towards it. how Ron operates, right? Like Ron is, Ron is yeah. more of a process guy. He's not a business. He, you know, he's, a, he, you know, he, he, he literally is the, I do, I'm here for the counterculture. I'm here for, I'm here for the mm-hmm. process. I'm here for the development. I, 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 I don't like the money side of it, but I got to make enough, yeah. you know, it's like at some point it's like, I've done so well with this. I need to na- make enough money. And I think now he's kind of transitioning into, you know, uh, into projects where he's going to make some money off of it. And he's, and good for him, man. He should, he, he's contributed so much and, yeah. and worked so hard yeah. and, you know, he's helped so many people get, 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 get plenty of money in their pocket from his efforts. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's the process, it's the goals, it's why you're in it. And, you know, you, you see people like Ron St. Pierre and you're like, good dude, like that. I'm about it. Like I, I, I don't know. He's just he's just so on on my flex of like the, the the you know reptiles being a counter. The more the more I listen to him talk, and the more I think about the way he views things, the more I'm like, that's he's a fucking hundred percent right. And you know the where the things he hates about the industry, I fucking hate the, about the industry. And it's like I think everybody can hear the ringing of truth in what you know. He's like the guy who speaks the truth um, because he's been there, he's done that. And, you know, he walks, you know, he walks the walk, talks the talk. Um, and, you know, like Ron's also a good guy who has a fairly sizable collection and he's kind of tied down a little bit to, yeah. you know, his collection. But Ron also goes out and herbs. He goes out and does stuff like mm-hmm. he, you know, but he doesn't do it alone either. So, uh, you he know, he was saying he, he hasn't been out a lot, you know, he's that's he's fair. Well, been tied well, down but he also. <laughs> but he also, yeah. but he also self-admitted that he, you know, there's a part of him that walks away from reptiles when they're down, and and you know, he has a whole other, you know, he does a lot of gaming and stuff. So you know, he has, and that's the other thing. Like, and I'm I'm experiencing that too, where you know, I'm getting older, and I'm like taking my health more seriously, and I'm trying to do more things. I, I started doing like mixed martial arts, and you know, going, trying to go to the gym and I've just been going as hard as I can on that. And I, you know, my animals haven't suffered just because my collection is so, is, is so, so manageable, but you know, again, it's like you, you have to be able to stay healthy, um, for yourself. And, and I do, I do agree with you that, that sometimes if you're, you know, you haven't 
if you haven't worked out how to do that with a big collection, it could definitely get the better of you. And, and it's just not worth your health and your happiness and your, you know, you, you know, your peace of mind uh, for the animals. If, if you're just trying to go after something because it's too big, I, I, I definitely think there's a limit to big collections. I think people have to be sensible about that stuff and really look hard at the market and really, you know, take some honest assessment of, and and start slow. And if you're going to go for a big collection and you want to be that guy, you know, you better, better yeah. do your goddamn homework. Cause there's some yeah, real, no, no real, <laughs> real good breeders out there. Yeah. Know what's, what's uh, waiting for you, you know, on the other end, yeah. because you know, yep. I think we, we like the glamor of it, but we kind of gloss over the, the, that the road is paved in snake poop. You know, you, you gotta, yeah. you gotta do the, the kind of rough stuff as well as the, the glamorous, you know, producing the, yeah. the world's first or having a great, you know, season and things like that. But, you know, I, I, you know, I don't fault anybody for wanting that. I just, you know, I just think, let's have a more realistic approach think about is that what you really want you know and and i i I think intention is everything intention is everything Mm -hmm. what your intentions are i i i feel will have a gross influence on the outcome of your success or your failure Mm -hmm. that's just me though yeah. Well, and, and looking, I mean, another downside, I think of ha- being that professional breeder, having that giant collection is you, you look at everybody as kind of competition, you know, cause, and, and I see that with, a, with a lot of the uh, larger breeders that, you know, they, they have to sell animals to, for their livelihood. And so anytime somebody comes along and breeds the same animal and undercuts them or, you know, they're, they're grumbling about it because, oh, you know, they, they, they're selling them for less. And I, you know, I, you know, it's, it's kind of a sad thing to, to kind of not see every, to see everybody as a competitor or, or somebody that you have to take down or that you have to watch out for and, and keep things from. And, and, you know, you see that a lot. I think it, it keeps the hobby from progressing like it could, because then, you know, you're keeping trade secrets or you're not, you know, telling how you bred this animal because you want to be the only one to supply these things. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's kind of a, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth at least that that's the part of the hobby I just really don't like. And so maybe that's mm-hmm. another reason why I'm, I'm not destined to be a, a professional breeder, but just enjoy the animals and, um, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying and I think, you know, I think in context, those people who are, you know, very like, uh, you know, hating on you know hating on other people because of the competition and the thing there again i'm going back to intention and and and, you know and 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 the goals you know and i don't want to speak for the guy but but sean carroll again um animals are amazing simply fantastic i do not think that he has to sit there and be like, oh, that motherfucker sold these things, or you know, he doesn't have to worry about that because his he he, he has developed such a collection and he's he's doing such great things, and his his animals and his work absolutely speak for themselves. And so if he it and, and in my and this is just me in my mind, 
I, if I had that kind of a collection and I was doing that kind of work at that kind of level, uh, I wouldn't be worried about what anybody else is doing because I'm doing it so fucking good that, you know, it's not um, it, 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 I don't have to get down in the weeds. I think the people who are working in the margins of high success, they're down in the weeds because they're they because they haven't made those good decisions. They haven't long game their collection. They haven't done some of that stuff that really sets those 50 Rapashi style large breeders. And, you know, I'm not saying Sean is one of those 50 large, you know, you know, large breeders, but I'm using Sean as a, as a, as a quality example to make my higher point. Um, and I think that, um, you know, the, 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 where you see the ugly part is where people struggle and where they, you know, where they struggle and that's where you see the ugliness of it. And, 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 you know, that goes to, Big collection versus small collection. If if that's if you've got a big collection and you're pissed off at everybody else because they bred this or you know whatever, maybe you need to examine what you're doing. Maybe you need to look at your intention and and reassess your goals. Um, I I think that you know there's definitely you know there there's definitely uh, a point for you to be made there. Um, but at the same time, you know. Is that is that a problem with big collections or is that a problem with decision making and goals and intentions, right? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to kind of go off of what you're saying about uh, Sean Carroll and the quality. You know, a lot of times when you have to just pump out animals to meet the, the need or try to pump out animals to have enough to, to, you know, feed your family, things like that. Um, a lot of times the quality is, is secondary. I mean, you're going to have healthy specimens or whatever, but, you know, not everyone's going to be a stunner, you know, and, and that's kind of sure. the, the trick and especially i guess if you're wholesaling or selling to you know like pet smart or petco or something like that maybe it's not as big an issue you know if you're selling the and and maybe you hold back the very very best ones to to you know maybe Sean Carroll is you know selling 80% of his stuff you know to to some pet store and and then just having that 20% that's just marvelous yeah but I, I don't think I, you know, I don't I'm think in the law of numbers a, that a bad works. way to do it yeah. yeah but but so you know it, if if your breeder stock is of the absolute highest quality then the percentage of those babies that you'll get versus if you have an average quality of a breeder stock the, the, you know, in, in the numbers, in the percentages, I think you'll get a, a, a higher percentage of higher quality animals, which leads to, you know, but more in number, more higher quality animals going out into the market. Yes, you're, you know, in, in a carpet clutch, you're always going to have, you know, animals that aren't quite as nice or, you know, not every animal is like the, 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 the quan or like the, the stellar animal, but the higher the quality of the breeder stock, the higher the quality of the offspring. And we've seen that time and again. So sure. But yes, you still get a percentage of them, you know, like your point is made, but that, but that's, but that's, that's a, that's a, um, that's an issue that whether you're the best breeder in the world or the worst breeder in the world or the biggest collection or the smallest collection, you still deal with that. You know what I mean? Well, that's a regardless that's a of universal what he, thing. 
yeah, regardless of what he does, he, you know, we have it, we have it in our minds that he's got the best stuff, you know? And so, and I think that's kind of the goal you need to have as, as a large scale breeder is people need to think of you as the guy for this or that or the other. And, and well, it's hard I to mean, get there. Would you, know? would you disagree with what I'm saying? I mean, you see the quality of his breeder stock. No, no yeah. And do you disagree yeah, with but the I idea guess it, that... I'll, Along those same lines, as soon as you sell any of that highly refined, you know, beautiful stuff, you've just created somebody who can sell the same stuff that you do. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where you get people saying, well, I'm going to sell a male or I'm going to, you know, sell these as, as normals, even though they have the gene, you know, that kind of thing. I'd rather take a loss on that rather than create competitors. And you see a lot of those kind of things that go on in the hobby. I agree with that, but at the same time, how did Andrew Hare ever have problems selling those hair jungles? I mean, he was doing different pairings from highlighter and he had, he had, I mean, so, so like even, even though so many of those jungles went out and everybody had hair jungles at some point or what, you know, like there was a lot of people out there with them. Did he ever have problems selling his stuff? No, because he got known for that stuff. So people went to him for those things. And could they get him elsewhere? Sure, they could. Did some people? Yeah. But I think by and large, the people who become well-known for things, you know, they're in their nipper and and people know them for that. And, and I, I, you know, if, if, I, if you could show me example after example of people – who, you know, sell off their their high quality, you know, offspring from quality breeder stock and then, you know, they're out of business because of it. I know we talk about that and and that's a factor. Yes, I get it. I understand you're selling to your competition and so it makes the market harder, but that's business in, in some respects, right? Like like if if other businesses can get the same where, where type is, of stuff that you Where have, is Andrew here now? Well, and, and again, yeah. that goes to your point where, where, where are highlighter he, jungles, <laughs> you know? Well, and, and, and I mean, you know, did he stop producing them or did all of the highlighter jungles that everyone else made drive him out of business? I, I, I would say he just stopped breeding, you know what I mean? And he moved on, which goes to your point of people. Yeah get in and get out, which really doesn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. Well, I no, I would say if, if you have this, uh, you know, golden goose and you're producing these jungles that everybody wants and loves. And so why aren't you still doing it? You know, if it, if it was a working thing, you know, a lot of times well, things go you, wrong and you have to have kind you, of a big, a uh, big base. You know, if you, if you don't have the staying power and the projects, you know, multiple projects that people want. One project usually doesn't cut it, you know, and, and, and that's why you see a lot of these kind of flash in the pans. They were, they were really popular for a couple of years, but then where are they now? And where are those animals? I, I don't ever very rare. Well, very all rarely reptiles see are hills and valleys. Jungles. Sure. Yeah, all reptiles sure. are hills and valleys. So, you know, the fact that, the fact that when you hit, you know, when you hit a valley and, and whoever that person is, is like, I'm out, I'm out. I did it. I made my money. I'm out. Okay, cool, man. Cool. You know, 
the 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 long term people, the people who you know, the the Nick Mutton who's not you know who's not gonna just be like roll up shop and leave, right? He's gonna keep his highlighter jungles off in the corner, mm-hmm. and when that shit becomes in vogue again, bam, he's gonna start selling those out again because he's gonna have them. And and, and I think you know, it, it, with the ebb and flow, that's kind of what you have to do. Um, and and part of having a big collection is holding on to those things, taking care of them. Like you know, even when they're not in vogue, that's that's part of the the hard part, and that's why you see so much turnover. Is people are like, "Well, crap, man! Now I have these animals that were really popular, and now nobody gives a shit about them. So I'm out. I'm I'm not gonna feed all this stuff or whatever." And it's like, okay, you didn't understand what you were doing. You didn't get you 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 know you you got the game twisted, like. That's not how it works. It, 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 it runs in cycles, and if 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 you're dedicated, Nick's dedicated. He's not gonna roll up shop on a project and and just stop stop doing it. He may you know not put animals together because he's having a hard time selling them, but it doesn't mean that he just rolls up and quits keeping. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I you know I agree with that, and I think I guess that was my point, right? Is that you know yeah. you have to stay on top of the game if you're going to play the game. If you're going to be a, yep. a professional breeder in real time, you have well, to it, stay on the cutting edge. You have to yeah. look for the next big project. You have to keep the you know spend money to make money. You have to keep the new genes coming in, and you have to produce nice examples of those. You know you can buy all the nicest stuff, and a lot of times that front end first you know produced morph is not as nice as it's going to be after a few generations in your customer's hands, you know, or hopefully in your own hands. And, you know, with some projects like I, you know, Nick's a great example of that where he, he kind of cornered that Brettles market, you know, and he mm-hmm. uh, has all the latest, greatest. He, he spent a lot of money to get those. And, but now he's producing things that people can't really c- compete with in some ways. I mean, uh, I think he had a couple projects that popped up in other people's hands that, you know, were unanticipated, but, you know, and, 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 but he has to kind of strategically, um, work that out and figure out what's going to be cutting edge, what people can't compete with him on and what he can be yeah. the guy for. Because if you, if you're buying a hatchling from Nick, a uh, Brettles hatchling in, you know, it takes four or five years for that thing to, to be able to produce offspring of its own. You know, you're not catching up to him. He's he's yeah. four or five years ahead well, of you. And, and, you know? and this isn't, the, you know, br- being a professional breeder or being a breeder of the large collection uh, who's who's trying to sell animals, you know, to feed their family. It's not just breeding snakes. It's it's it, it is a whole, you know, you, it is a chess game. It's a giant chess game, and it's and it's a you know, it's a moving target. So if you're gonna be, you know, if you're gonna be that guy who all right, this project's no longer going to be viable for me. I need to get out. You need to know when when the getting is good and when to move that project out and when to move on to the next thing and what that next thing's going to be. And you really need to have your finger on the pulse. And that's hard to do. It's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, but it almost takes a crystal ball type <laughs> approach yeah. to do that. So, and, you know, I I would say like from, you know, at least my my uh perspective, having a smaller collection is more enjoyable. One, you can leave it, you know, to to go away and it's not too hard for somebody else to come and look after it or uh, two, you know, you can you can uh 
take a step back and, and not have to sell an animal. You can sit on a whole clutch or two, you know, every year and it's not going to hurt you much or, or, you know, if, if you're not financially, um, in need of selling those animals, you know, you can see how they grow up, see what they turn out to look like. You know, you can take your time with them and, and pick your holdbacks over a couple of years. Um, it's just, it just seems to be more enjoyable. You can also provide a better, better environment, uh, more enrichment, uh, different things for each animal, you know, when you have a smaller collection versus a larger collection. And so I think, you know, a lot of times, uh, people just kind of gloss that over and see, okay, well I can keep 50 in this rack and, and you know, then I can produce, uh, you know, several hundred from those 50 and, and they just kind of get the money, you know, stars in their eyes kind of thing. And they forget what this is about. And, you know, this is about, you know, the, the love and the, and the passion for the animal. Um, and, and again, I do think there is a balance and you can achieve that balance. Uh, again, I think of Ron St. Pierre and his outdoor caging and the, and the large extensive caging that he makes. And, and, and if it didn't work, he scraps it and makes another one. You know, he doesn't just try to ram stuff into stuff that doesn't work. So, you know, he's a really good example of that. Um, so, you know, there, there, you can achieve that. Um, but it's difficult yeah, I, I, and it's a long I, I would agree with that. And I think, I think, I think you can get both, right? You can get, you can get people who provide enrichment and who, who really do it right with their enclosures and their animals and, and, you know, doing right by the animal. Um, but that, you know, but acknowledging that, you know, the, in the mantra of, got to have a big collection, got to be a big breeder that tends to fall by the wayside and people who would, you know, really put a lot into the enrichment of the animal are, are not in the, uh, are not in the majority. So yeah, I, I, I'd kind of agree with that. And, and, but, but say, you know, it's not always the case. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, have we uh, beat this topic to death? Uh, You got anything else to add? (laughs) The horse is on the floor. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't know if it's the lag, but uh, I I think we've uh, come to an end of our discussion here. Um, Have have you listened to anything good uh, lately? Any any cool things in, in herpt culture that have come to your attention? Man, I have not. Uh, I have been horrible, and I have not listened to uh, really much. Rep- well, so you know, a lot of the podcasts took a break over over the, the holiday period. Yeah, um, and I I got so the John so John I listened to a non reptile related podcast uh, by John Berthal, who is the guy mm-hmm. who plays the Punisher. And he's got a yeah. he's got a podcast. I, I listened to him on Rogan uh, and was just really struck by what an interesting guy. You know, you, you kind of look at him and he's like the tough guy. You know, like you, you know, I think he's from Boston or or, or out east, but he's kind of that tough, you know, Bostonian New Yorker kind of Philly guy. And, uh, and and you know, like you find out that he he studied uh, theater in the Russian. Uh, in Russian theater and like just really interesting. And then started a podcast uh, around um, take, cause he has a lot of people that, you know, were into 
criminal, you know, activities, but he also has people who are, are police and law enforcement. And he kind of like brings those two worlds together and shows like both sides of it. And there's just a really, you know, kind of kind of really interesting i i just was like wow what a what a cool guy what a what a great like guy who's using his his fame to kind of give perspective and and voice to both sides um yeah. you know i yeah, I, I just i, I like that kind a, of thing i can't remember if it was like uh conan o'brien or somebody like that they had him on and i i yeah, yeah. i really enjoyed his backstory and some of the things he was yeah. doing so just cool. just super interesting. So, yeah, unfortunately I have not really <laughs> been on the uh, uh on the reptile tip uh as of the past couple weeks. Uh yeah. so t- need to get my butt back on the horse <laughs> and uh make a significant contribution to the uh what's new in reptiles uh for the next episode. I'll yeah, do better, I'll, Justin. I'll do better. <laughs> I was I I really enjoyed you? a uh episode of Project Herpetoculture with uh Jordan Russell, uh, if you remember, oh nice, old Jordan, yeah, yeah, he, he, of course. Um, it was really, really cool to hear hear his perspective. He, I think he's pretty uh, on the ball with a lot of things, and he yeah. spoke at that uh, Herpeton a few years back. And um, but yeah, I've I've kind of it's it's been interesting to watch his uh, you know progression and progression. Stuff like that, but yeah, it was cool to listen yeah. to that. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I and that I, was on Project Herpeticulture. Kind of take. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Phil Leitz and Roy Arthur yep. Blodgett. Yeah, they they they've 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 got a really good they're show. Com- there. I, they're I guess, coming hard, I guess man. I they're like they that. really. Yeah, I I like that philosophical, like the kind yeah. of the aspect that they bring into their show. I I was talking to a friend. He's he's not too excited about that. He kind of likes more of the give me some information. You know, give me some yeah <laughs> some stuff I can use. And you know, it's nice to think about all the all the other aspects like the the philosophical stuff but i i want something tangible you know and i i, I understand yeah. that but and i think they bring both of that to the table for sure yeah. but um and he, he he mentioned um uh that he he enjoyed the one with uh scott and ty iper um that that was a little more useful information or something like that yeah so, yeah yeah but some some good shows they've got coming out. So yeah, I, I I've really enjoyed uh, kind of catching up on on theirs now that I found where it is. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. Um, I I haven't really I I ran across a paper. It's by the same guys that did the Antaresia re oh, really? <laughs> classification thing, and yeah, and they they did like what are a, they. A timeline of I, I haven't read the paper yet, honestly, but I just saw that 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 kind of popped up, so I need to look at that one. See, see what, what they, was it? What what, what is the topic of the paper? Like uh, evolutionary history of the pythons, okay. kind of when they got gotcha. and, and and kind of a rapid expansion when they hit Australia and some of the you know aspects of that. So uh, more more kind of a Nick paper, but I, I like that stuff yeah. too, and yeah. and get kind of geeked out about that. So I have to take a look at that but um, it's very pleasant yeah uh, other than that yeah it's been kind of slow lately uh just kind of enjoying the holidays and family and not really uh yeah hanging out in the snake room as well but, yeah 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 same same i got a same. i got a new uh tool uh, sh- uh sh- you know the drawer unit with the the that's like 
six foot tall kind of thing, you know, where you put all your tools. So I've been kind of excited organizing Ooh. all my tools and getting things uh, organized out in my shop and stuff like that. So this is like a uh, roll away, like a toolbox yeah. roll away. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's nice. one of the cheaper ones, but it's got like a charging station up in the top so I can kind of put all my, and it's got locks and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of exciting. I've always wanted one so, of those and I'm so if you really want geek for tools. <laughs> if you, if you want to take it to the next level, go get yourself some of that like foam, like the blue foam that you use to like lay down for sleeping bags and stuff, cut it out for the squares and then silhouette all the tools. So everything goes in its spot. And like cut out the foam and put the tools in. That's, that's how like at work, that's how, so we have like very, because I work on aircraft, we have very, very strict tool control. And so we have to account for every, every tool, every piece, every, every little thing. And, and so all of our boxes are silhouetted and man, it's like when, when it's, you know, I I don't know, I geek out over that stuff too. So like a nicely silhouetted (laughs) toolbox where everything has its place and you open it up and you're just like, Oh, Wow, that's beautiful <laughs> for sure so, that's awesome yeah, that's, that's really awesome cool. yeah so yeah I, I i i like the tool things i i was able to pick up another miter saw so or the the chop nice. saw you know those are fun yeah so i i need to get some space and set that up but i i've got a bunch of cages that i need to build i i think i i mentioned that probably you know 50 episodes ago but yeah i i, I got a bunch of uh these um crates shipping crates and i've been turning those oh, into yeah, cages, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. going a little slower than i'd anticipated yeah. and hoped but i i'd like to get most of my stuff into bigger better cages and that kind of thing so that's kind of one of the so, goals i have for this upcoming year new year how's the rat problem going Oh yeah. <laughs> uh it's it's uh it's fixed. I'm back on track. No nice. more no more loose rats. Nice. So, oh, that was a yeah. Nice. It's a long time coming, but I'm very happy yeah. to report that. That's good. I'm out of That's why you didn't hear me a- uh com- you didn't hear me yeah, complain about no, it at the top I, of the show. <laughs> so, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm glad you didn't bring the loose rats into 2023. That's awesome. Yeah, they they stayed back in 2022. So yeah, I, I mean overall, 2022 was one of the best years on record. That was a lot of fun. I didn't make it over to Australia, so that's one of the things I need to fix in 2023. And yeah, um, so I'm I'm planning on getting them back over there at some point this year. And then, um, yeah, it should be a good year. I'm excited. Yeah. 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 Well, cool, man. All right. Well, um, we'll uh, recommend you to the Podfather and his army of podcasts. You can check out everything at ReliaPythonRadio.com and and uh, listen to all the great uh, content they've got out. I'm, I know they've got some good shows coming up for the new year, so um, check out Morelia Python Radio and, and all the associated podcasts, including ours, Reptile Fight Club. Go back. Uh, enjoy some of our past episodes and some of our past guests. We've got a lot of uh, people that have given us ideas and that are, are um, ready to come on the podcast. So I just need to get them scheduled. And that's been um, kind of the, the rate limiting step here, but we should have some guests on so you can listen to somebody besides us too. But uh, I don't know. I, I enjoy uh, having a little intellectual battle with Chuck. It's, it's always fun. So hopefully you guys are all right with that, but we should have some guests coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, should be fun times. So Uh, As always, thanks for listening, and we will catch you again next week for another episode of Reptile Fight Club. 
Stay tuned for a new year, new us. Later. Fight Club.